Strap in for a digital odyssey with the Wizard of the Web, Andy Batkin, as we surf the tidal waves of digital media's past, present, and future. This is no ordinary journey. It's a masterclass in navigating the digital domain with one of its original architects. Get ready to know more than you did yesterday. Welcome aboard the Adotat Show, where marketing, media, and ad tech converge. Fasten your seatbelts as your host, Pesat Latin steers you through the digital world of advertising trends and marketing innovations. Deserve to win when it matters most. Facing multi-billion dollar bet the company litigation? No problem, that's why we're here. Troutman Amin, LLP is a true legal powerhouse. Today we're welcoming Andy Batkin, the CEO of Duration Media and the Strategic Mind, who helped build Yahoo's business model, impacting giants like ESPN and Warner Brothers. We'll explore the evolving digital and social media landscape. Glad to have you, Andy. Starting on a personal note, how are you doing today besides the usual fine? I'm doing great. It's a little bit of a hangover from Super Bowl. We had a bunch of people here yesterday. So a great game. Uh, lots of box pools. and. Uh, they were done online, by the way, uh, instead of the traditional, uh, you know, oak tag on your wall. So feeling pretty good today. Thank you. Great to be so with you. So you mentioned that you're called the grandfather of advertising um, or digital media. I find that interesting because I always consider myself like the grandfather in this industry, but you've actually been in longer than I have. You know, I started in the late 90s and you started in the early 90s. Um, from dial up to 3G, you've served the digital way like a pro. How did you ride the highs and lows without completely wiping out? You know, that's a great question to start with. I, I actually had been using technology for advertising, marketing, and promotion since uh, the early 80s. Started with interactive telephone, um, floppy disks, CD-ROMs, touchscreen kiosks. Um, online services came in the late uh, 80s. Um, and the, the way that I approached it is that I had a consulting practice and I was helping agencies and brands figure out how to use technology for advertising, marketing, and promotion. And I started a conference called the Conference on Interactive Marketing that uh, each time we did it, we exposed the agencies and brands to some new tech that they could use for advertising, marketing, and promotion. And the... Uh, the first internet session we had was in April of 19, and it was in New Orleans, and there were 500 people there. And I remember being at the airport and seeing some of the folks that were there. They said, "You know, that internet session was great. You should start a whole. You should have a whole conference on that." Um, and then we did. So it was really more of of educating not only the brands and agencies, but, you know, we sort of laughed when the internet started. We didn't even know what it was. So uh, I think what I do every day is I spend the first hour and a half or so reading everything I can about what's happening. Um, and in the early days, <laughs> it was easy to keep up. Uh, now I turn to my team sometimes and go, how come we didn't know this before? So it's really at warp speed now, but in the beginning, it was uh, it was something that we could keep up with just by reading all of the articles, uh, industry news uh, about you know interactive technology that could be used for advertising, marketing, and promotion. Uh, was there a eureka moment that convinced you that digital advertising was the future, um, or was yes. that it? What you just described? 
No, no, it, it, we, we were lucky. Um, we, we had a great reputation of uh, bringing agencies and brands together with technology uh, through this conference. And the Sequoia Capital guys came to that conference um, in April of 94, and they came up to me and said, hey, you know, we just made a million dollar investment in a company. Um, we would love if you would consult to us and help us figure out the business model. Uh, we think there's an advertising model uh, for this company. I said, great, you know, send me the business plan. I go, well, we, we don't have a plan. Uh, we'd love for you to go up to uh, Silicon Valley and visit with uh, Jerry Yang and David Philo at Yahoo. And I went up there. I was wearing a suit, by the way, <laughs> in truly a suit and tie. And they were in a business uh, 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 center where all the, the businesses there, you had to open a garage door to go into the office. So it was the proverbial oh, wow. garage, right? Um, where Yahoo was created and we met, uh, when I met them, they were, they were, it was just Jerry and David and two engineers that were, uh, in this room, this garage door section with, you know, pizza boxes everywhere. Um, and after sitting and talking with Jerry, I, 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 that was the eureka moment. I thought that there would really be an opportunity to, uh, now write the business plan for Yahoo as well as coming up with their, um, you know, the, the, the basic plan as to how we would generate revenue uh, for them. And, you know, the rest was history. Everyone has had their uh, wild waves in uh, online marketing. What was like, however, what was your biggest wipeout and how did you paddle back from it? Well, the biggest wipeout was uh, when dot-com went dot-gone, you know, in 2000. Um, we had, you know, we started with Yahoo. We built them, uh, I think the last year that we, uh, represented them in the market, we probably did, I think 28 or $30 million of revenue. And that was like 1995 or six. Um, they went public in 1996. So yeah, so it was 95 and then. Uh, we started representing others. Uh, NBC, we created SuperBowl.com for the National Football League um, and uh, developed a thriving uh, uh, consulting practice. And when uh, .com went, no one wanted to sponsor any of our events anymore. Uh, the consulting you know, contracts went away. And I literally had to walk in and hire about 38, 39 people in one day. Um, which to me, that was the, that was the thing that just knocked me in the gut. Um, did you think it was but, over then or did you still really believe in it? Oh, no, no, we did, definitely didn't think it was over. Uh, the, the opportunity there we thought was that the audience had not left. It was just that there was over, uh, uh, there was an overabundance of private equity money funding things like pets.com and, you know, others. Um, actually, we tried to uh, to do a, a roll-up of a number of the companies that still existed uh, with an investment bank. We tried to structure that deal, uh, you know, in the early 2000s uh, for a number of reasons. It just didn't, didn't work out. But uh, we, I still believe that the, the Internet was going to be 
uh, a huge opportunity for uh, generating revenue from advertising. What was the first network you bought on? Do you remember? I, I you broke up. I'm sorry. Say it again. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the first ad network you bought on? Do you remember the name of it? The first ad network that we bought. Yeah, sorry. yeah that you bought on. You bought inventory from. Oh no! We, well, we were selling inventory. We we weren't buying. Oh, we were selling. Oh, right. Well, so wait. okay. So the 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 great story there is the way that the 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 CPM was created. Uh, and let me take one step back: is that Wired magazine uh, beat us by I think about thirty to forty-five, maybe sixty days, where they had the first banner ad. Um, and we were out in the marketplace talking to agencies, brands uh, about Yahoo, um, trying to explain what Yahoo was to you know a lot of the buyers. But there was a company right. called Moto Media, um, a guy named John Ardell and GM O'Connell. Yeah. Um, so we went in there to, to make a pitch as to uh, to buy keywords on Yahoo and search and um homepage um uh concepts that we created that were promotions um and i was just about to deliver the the last slide uh, or the next slide that said we think it's a 40 dollars cpm and so john nardone stopped me and he said this is a great presentation you guys obviously understand media and the rationale behind it and we think it's worth a 20 dollars cpm and I went like this with my computer and I closed it. And I said, that's exactly what we think. <laughs> and so I remember going back to uh, Yahoo and Jerry Yang was like, well, you know, I thought we were going to get $40 CPM. He says, you, you left $20 on the table. I said, no, we took $20 off the table. Um, and that that was how we established the, the CPM. Um, and we had five advertisers who were part of a, uh, a program that included research. Um, and then, you know, after that, after those five advertisers bought, we had, you know, huge press and ad age and you know, wall street journal and a number of others. And, you know, we were, we were off to the races and selling, you know, media for you. So you seem to be pretty good at finding out what the next big thing is. What's the secret? Is it alien technology, time travel, or just plain old intuition? You know, I just had this conversation yesterday about vision. And everybody has vision. And I try to inspire this in people when I when I hire them. Um, I learned early on that I was blessed with it. And for whatever reason, I would see certain things about to occur, and then they would occur. So when I was in my 20s, it, it took a while, but I started to feel comfortable that um, I had this ability to see what's next. And then I started acting on it and as an entrepreneur, investing in it and uh, making these things occur and happen. Um, obviously, you know, I, I would tell, you know, folks on the harem, I'm not right all the time. Uh, you know, the I threw the guy who created the pet rock out of my office, you know, many years ago. <laughs> so. Um, we all have, I'm sure, you know, I, I would gather a lot of people on the show don't even know what the pet rock is. I would, I would recommend that people Google it. It was a rock with a string <laughs> on it that people sold and that's it all was, it was. When I tell people what a pet rock was, they look at me as if I've lost my mind that someone actually bought a rock with a string on it. And then I mean, well, it was, what was it sold for? Five, $10? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was ten dollars, and I remember saying, "Who, who the heck's going to buy a rock?" You know, it's like, um, but you know, I think you know when we we hire people now, we 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 make sure we we help uh, empower their vision. Matter of fact, a mentor of mine taught me, "I'm going to empower you to fail," and we would go, "What, what do you mean by that? I don't want to fail." He says, "No, no, I I want you to feel." comfortable that it's okay to fail but i want your right. vision i want your thoughts i want you know the abilities you know that we hired you for where i don't want you to tell me what i want to hear i want to hear what you want to hear and if they come up with an idea we go we're going to go with that we're going to see how that works uh and i think if you empower vision with people it does come out and especially if they're right as i mentioned in the intro you were but a crucial role in shaping yahoo's early success and helping develop its business model and brand to a household name. Um, what was it like being at the heart? It was so exciting. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we did create uh, a internet conference called Camp Internet that we did in Beaver Creek, Colorado. And um, it was just fascinating. And we it was a smaller conference. We, we I always love smaller events, you know, 150 to 200 folks. And everybody there thought we were creating the next thing. It was so exciting. And, uh, you know, relationships, you know, personal relationships you know, developed. Um, we, we knew we had to create standards and practices. We, uh, the IAB uh, concept was born out of these events. Um, there were a lot of the founding members, you know, that were there as well. Um, so it was incredibly exciting and uh, wonderful to see. Of course, so to speak, in the year 2000, um, there were a lot of people out of work. Um, but, you know, I think the the early days, there was a lot of thoughts that we were really creating a new medium that was going to be huge. I don't think any of us realized it was going to be the largest medium in the world, which, of course, it is now. Um, here's my question. Was there anything you've done differently? And there's a second part to this question. Do you think that Yahoo ever regretted putting Google on the back end of their directory? You know, there's so many thoughts about this. Um, the, the first one that they did do, which turned out to not be that incredibly valuable, was to give Mark Cuban $5 billion for broadcast. I remember broadcast.com. I used to watch... Yeah. Um, a gaming show on their blues news. And I think they're still around. Oh, wow, I forgot yeah, they about had, it. They... Yeah, Mark Mark had a lot of uh, colleges where they were taking the audio broadcast and putting it on the internet. Um, you got to remember, you know, video was that big, you know, and the, the oh, it was quality. All, I remember was... it's like, it was all flash and I did a video uh, right. um, interview like in 2004 and it was just like a flash. It ran really it was like jerky and, you know, if you weren't on a, um, a T3 or a T5 at that time. But yeah, I remember telling, you know, the Yahoo folks, you know, the senior team then is that, that this is crazy to give these guys $5 billion. And they literally, you know, took a piece of paper and said, well, but this is what it's going to cost us. Right. right. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Google thing was really interesting because I, I think I remember that, they tried to buy Google for a very small amount of money in the beginning and then um, came back, I think it was a year later, and then tried to buy them for a billion dollars. 
Um, and the, the Google folks said no. And, you know, of course, uh, now they're it, Google. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. there were so many great stories in the, in the early days. And I, um, in 1996, uh, SoftBank bought my company. So I worked for Massa, uh, for, it was really an incredible experience, but we were, uh, leaving our, uh, three-year stint of managing, uh, and representing Yahoo's, um, inventory. And, uh, we hired their salespeople. They literally put real estate next to the offices that we had in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and Dallas and, you know, other places. Um, so we were in, in Japan and, uh, Sunson and I were visiting with Jim Clark, who was one of the original, uh, investors of Netscape. And we pitched him this idea of uh, having Netscape search and that we had just developed 1700 sales relationships for Yahoo. And coming off that relationship, we could now represent Netscape search. And to, to make it more worth their while, we would guarantee $25 million of revenue in that first year against um, a, a 17 and percent commission. Well, he sets up a meeting for us with, uh, Jim Barksdale and we spent $20,000 on this presentation inside the Netscape browser. And when it was over, Barksdale stood up and applauded and said to me, that was the greatest presentation you I've ever seen. And basically we pitched that same idea is that we make. Netscape, a media company that we would then, instead of, they were out selling five positions at $5 million a piece to Excite and to um, AltaVista, Lycos, uh, Yahoo, why can't I remember the fifth now? But the point is that they, they were going to, when someone came to Netscape search, say Yahoo would be in the first position, then Lycos would be in the second so we were trying to convince them, don't do that deal. We'll give you that $25 million. And so Barksdale gives a standing ovation and says to us, that's the greatest presentation I ever met. But he goes, you don't know a goddamn thing about my business, do you, boy? And I said to him, Mr. Barksdale, I didn't even know what enterprise software meant until, you know, last week. I said, I'm a media guy. I said, all I know is that if you allow the traffic that you have. Remember, they had like 90% market share, you know, in, in 1996, right. you know, uh, 97, uh, I guess this was. There was, there was no Firefox then. I said, if you, and no, you and no Google traffic, Pro. I said, you're going to help these companies become media monsters. And they'll, you know, they'll come back and eat your lunch. And as it turned out, you know, Yahoo at one point was worth, you know, well over $100 billion when. Netscape ended up selling for seven to AOL. Um, Is there anything that you would you would you would tell anybody that you learned from the dot com um, collapse of that era from Yahoo that you would tell people today? Well, I, I, like did, I think that, I think that the the companies that that succeeded had real business uh, businesses, right? You know, and right. it wasn't hey, just give me more money, you know, private equity. Um, and I'll buy more advertising and build, you know, build it and hope they will come. Um, 
So I think, you know, more sustainable business models, you know, came out of that. And that's, you know, certainly, you know, if you look back, it makes the most sense, right? If companies are there making money and uh, they have a sustainable model, uh, they're going to be successful. Yeah, I love talking about rep firms. So you founded one of the first rep firms. Or you, you, you said it was the first internet media rep firm. Um, I wasn't able to uh, confirm that, but it looks like that could possibly be true. Um, it's, it, do you, like, I love site-specific sales, but it's, it, it doesn't happen anymore. Um, what do you think happened to site-specific sales? Well, I, I think sales houses uh, still have a valuable place in, in the market. And I think it's for companies that truly just don't have the wherewithal to build their own sales team. Um, you know, having a direct sales team, uh, especially in this marketplace, enables you to, you know, charge higher CPMs, create more value, you know, do it in a more interpersonal way. You know, the, 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 they say the three martini lunch died with programmatic, but I think um, I think it still exists for those large uh, entities that have great sales teams. Um, okay, but I think you know the the for a publisher and Yahoo is the perfect example. Even though we far exceeded the the revenues that that we predicted we would create for them, you've got to have your own sales team. You you you, you need someone who wakes up every day and only wants to sell Yahoo. You know, we were representing NBC. We were representing. Uh, Playboy. We were representing the NFL. We were representing, you know, all of these different sites that, at one point, represented well over fifty percent of all the impressions on the internet. Um, so, you know, I think uh, in Europe, sales houses are very successful, uh, even for some of the big ones. So, relevant. What was it like building SuperBowl.com? So, since we just <laughs> had the Super Bowl, I got to ask you: What was it like bringing this massive audience online for the first time? Well, it was the first vanity uh, URL, superbowl.com. Um, and it was actually purchased from a, a bowling alley. Um, well, there's two, two stories people remember. I remember it being bought from a bowling alley. But uh, Ann Kirshner, who was the head of Interactive, told me that she thought that the story was that uh, the local Super Bowl committee, I think it was in Miami or Phoenix, uh, had had got that URL and then they ended up buying it, buying it back. So that was the first fun part, but we you know, saw it wasn't, it wasn't about, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a superb owl. That's the other <laughs> one I heard is like, it was superb owl. That's so funny. I, I actually like that story better, you know? So, um, but the, the, uh, putting it together and having lawyers in the room, the, the, the one story I do remember is that, um, Microsoft agreed to pay $375,000 to us uh, as a sponsorship uh, fee. How much? The NFL, the NFL, pardon me? How much did you say? Three. So just pennies in today's money. Like if someone yeah, wanted no. to sponsor SuperBowl.com now, they'd be playing millions. Well, the, the second year is even a better story. But the first year, Microsoft decided that they wanted to put their uh, Internet Explorer CD in the cushions of this uh, in the stadium and for those that have been to a super bowl you get this you know this nice cushy you know years ago I used to get a, a seat cushion but it had a zippered compartment to put you know different things into and at one point we thought the deal was going to go south because 
Uh, the NFL said, lawyers say to Microsoft, uh, what if somebody takes a CD and, you know, odd job somebody, you know, and, um, you know, <laughs> you know everyone's done that with a CD. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't right. know if people and nowadays because no one has CDs, but when I had CDs, right. I always threw but, them. But what they if were, it's I, I, no, no, they were always the AOL CDs because I get them by <laughs> the <laughs> buttload and I just use them as, well, yeah, Before so that was the floppy you know, they, thought they, they thought it would use it as a you know a frisbee, and someone's eye would you know be you know would you know be knocked out. And uh, so at one point, you know, the Microsoft guys were asked to to um, put themselves uh, <laughs> hold hold the NFL harmless if someone, and they said no, we're not going to do that. And so the NFL said, okay, well then there's no deal. So I was like seeing my whole deal go out the door because of the lawyers. But we eventually figured that out, um, and then and no one was and no one was killed by flying CDs on that Super Bowl. No, right? no, no. And then and then the that, second we, year, we probably would not be having this conversation if you were involved with a mass tragedy at the uh, Super Bowl. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah um, the, the Super Bowl ahead. thing is real cool. Um, just quickly though, the second year the NFL decided that they were going to sell it themselves, and that made you know, all the sense in the world. They had every relationship with every brand, right? Um, so they called me like right around Christmas time and said, we're really having trouble selling it. Can you, you think you could sell it? And you go, well, how's anybody going to activate it? It's five weeks from now, right? So, so Ann Kirshner said, you know, see if you can do your magic. Well, I made one phone call to Bob Davis at Lyco. And I said, what if I tells you that Lycos could own the Super Bowl for $1 million and that all of the advertising, that the banner ads, et cetera, will pay you back for the million dollars you put up. And I said, I want to make sure that, Bob, that you knew that this you were the first call and don't make me make a second call. And he went, don't make a second call. <laughs> so it took 15 minutes to sell that. And I remember when Ann Kirshner had to pay us our $200,000 fee for that. She says, we're having trouble paying you because you know you only made one phone call. And I said, no, Ann, you paid us two, could pay us 2,000 because we could make one phone call. What's um, the biggest my, check you got in that era that you went like, wow, I'm gonna really make it? Well, I mean, at one time, that was, that was the largest, but as a percentage, you know, representing Yahoo was a huge, hugely successful business, which is, why SoftBank bought us. I mean, they, they thought there was going to be a big rep firm, you know, um, you know, global rep firm that we would create. Uh, so it, there's always something brewing in the back of my mind. Uh, what's been occupying your mind that you're eager to share? And that It broke up. I didn't hear the question. Sorry. One more time. Well, there's always something in the back of my mind. I'm always thinking about what is something you'd like to share with the audience that you've been thinking about? Oh, we're so focused on the sustainability thing, you know, now, I mean, that's, that seems to be every part of my brain. Um, helping publishers figure out that they can reduce the the data waste, the bid requests and carbon that they emit and still make more money. I think that's a, you know something that we're really focused on to try to help publishers who really feel they're they're being, you know, uh, slammed as the bad actors of, you know, uh, these multiple uh, wasteful uh, duplicative uh, bid requests. Um, but you know, the analogy is if, if you're running Sotheby's and you only have one person bidding on, you know, this painting behind me, you, you know, right. you're not going to have the bid pressure, you know, so the publishers feel 
that they really don't want to have to reduce their bid requests because that creates you know more bid pressure and potentially you know more revenue for them. But I think um, sustainability uh, in this industry is really important because it's the largest medium in the world and we're just generating a huge amount of carbon. So we've, we've got to do something about it. Is sustainability a goal, that an actual goal that we can hit eventually, you think? Is this a reasonable goal to be have a sustainable marketplace? Well, look, I, I, I think we can reduce it. I, I don't know that, uh, I mean, we've created technology that's proven to do that. It's, that we call the product right. uh, sequencing, but I, I, you know, everybody's got to, to try to work on it together. And I, I have to be honest, I was not a green guy. I didn't really think about this until my kids started saying things to me about it. Um, right. But I, I think, you know, you, you can, uh, you can do lots of different things as an individual and as companies, you know, to reduce carbon. And um, I think that's, you know, one of the things that I'm going to, you know, continue to focus on as I, you know, right out into the sunset here. Books often open new worlds and doors. Um, is there one, a book that you've read le recently or in general that had a profound impact in your life? You know, I, I tend to spend my time reading fiction. Um, right. it, it gives me, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, I can, I can escape, you know, I don't read a lot of business books. Um, me neither. I so, feel the same. I feel like if I'm going to read a book, I want to read about something that isn't happening in my life. I read a lot of science fiction. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, you know, it was a book about frenemies, which I, I think, you know, that I did read because a lot, you know, it, it was really about our industry. Um, and I think that, you know, the, this pre-competitive collaboration that we're seeing with sustainability is a lot like that. We're all frenemies. Um, and you know, there's a lot, a lot of room here for lots of players to, you know, develop solutions. So I would say that that's probably the one I remember that, that, uh, influenced me the most. I always like to, I ask everyone at the end of the show, if you could send a text message to yourself at the start of your career in the digital industry, what would you tell yourself? I think I asked you this once before. Yeah, I did. And I, and I said that, uh, get into sustainability sooner because my kids think I'm cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I like that one. How do you think your younger self would react to that? Would they follow the advice? I think my younger self, like most of us, uh, you know, didn't pay any attention to sustainability. You know, it's like, uh, I remember in, in the podcast that you're talking about, you know, everyone was focused on buy Yahoo or, you know, <laughs> oh, I still get thing. that. And every, we just did a, yeah. everyone's like, yeah, buy, buy, buy stock. Buy this stock, buy that stock. Everyone says that. Not everyone, but yeah. Is there, um, is there a specific moment or decision that you'd have approached differently? You know, I, I've been really blessed, you know, even with, you know, some of the, you know, the failures, you know, along the way. Um, I, I think I think it's important to fail. You know, I talked about it earlier, you know, and empower you to fail. I, I don't know that you can really appreciate the highs without the lows, you know, and um, I wouldn't would encourage you tell people... yourself that. Do you think that is something that you could have learned earlier? I know it's Absolutely. something I could have learned earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you. And, and yeah but... I thought in the beginning I could do everything. You know, I could be the salesman, the accountant. You know, and you know, I finally realized that uh, you need a team. And you right. know, I played a lot of sports when I was younger. You know, and I think those uh, those life lessons, you know, were pretty good about. 
not only playing with, you know, with, as a team, but also being able to dust yourself off after you lose, right? And what, be able what to, position are you on the football team? I was a split end in football, uh, but my game what was are you best. now? I'm, I'm definitely the quarterback. Yep. <laughs> Beyond a message to yourself, what universal piece of advice would you offer to anyone starting in the industry? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I think you go back to the vision part, you know, really believe that you have it and um, don't be afraid to speak up. Um, you know, my dad used to tell me about people on Wall Street that there's not a lot of geniuses on Wall Street. There's just a lot of guys who are willing to say, you know, you should buy IBM. And when they're right, oh, my God, he was a genius, right? Um, it's, it's, it's like magicians. Forget. You never see when they get it wrong. You only remember when they yeah. get it right. Because yeah. I always say that, like, um, if you do something, if you do a trick to, like, 100 people and only one person sees that trick right, they're going to tell everyone. Everyone else is just going to roll their eyes. You know, the digital media world is, is it's a great place. And, um, right. You know, it, there's still you know, incredible ideas. You know, I, we, we look at our company, you know, Duration Media, we started in 2018, and we got a patent on the ability to measure uh, viewability in real time uh, in, in, in 2020, right? So we're, we're thinking, okay, okay, it's almost 25 years, we can still come up with new ideas that, uh, that are useful. Um, and for us, I, I, I don't think it needs to be a zero-sum game. If you're getting into it, you know, it could be – you should be developing products that's good for both buyers and sellers. It doesn't have to be that, you know, get over on, you know, somebody with a, with a, new, with a new product. Wait, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, it's been enjoyable. It seems like it was 10 minutes, but, you know <laughs> – well, thank you Great so much. Carter, I really appreciate it. I hope your wife does well and has a speedy recovery. Thank you very much. And that's all, folks. Please consider sponsoring Adotat to keep independent and really witty tech journalism alive. We can't run this on good feelings and rainbows.